about the second coming of Christ this morning. And we're not going home. I don't have to be home until the 26th of February. <laughs> it's going to take about that to just get through the introduction. <laughs> and it's awesome. I didn't know this. Of course, the Lord did. But you've been learning last week about the Bema Seat Judgment. And the week before, kind of an overview or something like that, I believe. We don't have nearly enough time to cover half the material I've got on the handout sheet yet alone all about the Lord's second coming. However, um, a week from this Wednesday, this Wednesday night, you're going to have Ron Ward? So, uh, no, who, someone else will be here this Wednesday. <coughs> this lovely young man here raising his hand. Uh, we'll try to be out for that Wednesday. The following Wednesday, I'll be back in concluding this message. Uh, the handout is very... Uh, important tool here for us today because, again, I don't have nearly enough time to. Um, I sent me back in Cleveland where it was 12 degrees on Thursday. Do y'all want to go back with me? <laughs> um, asked us, asked myself to teach on the return of the Lord. And I says, okay. Big subject. I thought I would focus on the actual second coming, the return of Christ to this earth. The handout sheet's going to help you. Um, if you're single, it's yours to keep. You need to begin to just go through it, the handout sheet. It's in such a way that if you'll take it and fold it in half so that the, the uh, timeline and the King Jesus part are on the inside, okay, fold that in, in half. This way you can tuck it in your Bible and uh, hopefully keep it for a little while. It's just some cross-references, lots of verses to look up. And I really encourage... Uh, each one, if you're single, to go through this. Uh, if you've got family, men, go through it yourself. Take your family through this around the table. And just begin to study this whole topic as God's obviously brought it to the table here at Boulevard through the other speakers also. Why? Because he's coming. The second coming of Christ, specifically in my topic, is the literal coming. When Christ comes physically, visibly to this earth, and sets up his kingdom for a thousand years. Just prior to his coming to this earth, seven years before that is what's called the rapture. That's when Jesus comes for his bride, the church. We get the dead in Christ raised first. Us who remain are changed. We're caught up to be with the Lord. Okay? And we're up there for that seven years in heaven while Christ and God the Father are pouring out their wrath and judgment on earth for those seven years called the tribulation. While that's going on, we will have the marriage to Christ and we will have the Bema Seat judgment. That's apparently the way we see it and understand it, that that's when that's going to take place. Then Christ, with his bride, victorious, us with our rewards, our crowns, given back to the Lord, which is going to take all eternity to give them and 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 everything we are and have is his to give back to him. Then he comes back in Revelation 19 to this earth, the second coming, literal second coming of Christ, Revelation 19. You can follow that timeline. We're not, we're not even going to get to the timeline today, but I tried to make it as simple as possible. I've asked for some other brothers. I've seen many timelines, and they're much more detailed than this. I just want us to get the big picture. So now that you got it folded, 
unfold it and open it up to the typewritten side. Okay? And basic four points this morning. We'll only get, Lord willing, even through the first two. What is the second coming of Jesus Christ? And there's that statement. He returns. Jesus Christ will return to this earth to set up his kingdom for a thousand years on this earth. At the end of the thousand years, there is going to be, yeah, the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> Second Peter chapter 3. Jesus Christ lets go of everything he's holding together, according to Colossians. He holds it all together. Every atom Jesus holds together in this universe that he created. He's just going to say, or it's going to happen, he's going to let go. And every atom is going to have an intense nuclear explosion. Second Peter says all the heavens and this earth are going to be destroyed completely with fire. And the reason being to get rid of, I, apparently, all sin, any remembrance, taint of sin. And the new heaven, he's going to make new heavens. The heavens meaning the planets, the stars, all the starry hosts, all of creation, and this earth. Destroyed with fire, not water. The first time it was with water. Noah's flood covered the earth and destroyed. Second time it will be with fire. And after that destruction of this earth and the old heavens, new heavens and new earth are made. And then God sets up his eternal kingdom for all eternity. And I love what it says, where righteousness dwells permanently. So what is the second coming of Christ? The second point we're going to look at hopefully today, why? Why the second coming of Christ? It's just a small slice of the pie in as far as a time frame. There's a big picture in all this. That's my purpose in coming uh, down to Florida and this uh, Bible study. I want us to get God's big picture. What's the purpose? Why has he created anything in the first place? Why does Christ come two times? And so we're going to look at that briefly this morning. Then on the following Wednesday, a week from this Wednesday, hopefully we'll look at when is the second coming of Christ if he hasn't come already. Now, when I say second coming of Christ, sometimes we're, we're, we're including the rapture, okay? There are two distinct uh, happenings. The rapture, Jesus comes not to the earth, but to the clouds. We join him in the clouds. We're raptured, captured, caught up, Thessalonians says. And we get the word rapture from the Latin Vulgate. The translation is raptural, I believe the word is. And so that's where we get the word rapture. We're caught up together to be with the dead in Christ. We'll be with the Lord forever. Seven years, second coming. So some, when I say the second coming, sometimes I'm referring to them both. But know that I believe the Bible teaches, this assembly believes there's two distinct uh, events. Uh, but sometimes uh, together here. Why the second coming of Jesus Christ? Then when is it? Well, the rapture comes first, obviously. And if his second coming is this close, as we'll see from the scriptures, then the rapture is even closer. And then, of course, the conclusion, well, why? What should we do, rather? How should we live? Let's open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 7. I'm going to move quickly, so I might not even give you time to find these scriptures, but they're here. And um, Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. Daniel is having a vision, 13, 14, and also verse 18. I kept looking in the night visions, Daniel says, and behold, with the clouds... Of heaven, one like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him, this is the son of man, was given dominion, glory, and a what? A kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. 
His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Jesus himself referred to the Pharisees in the end. That's when he's going to come, when in the clouds you'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. This is what Jesus was referring to. The Pharisees knew their Old Testament prophecy. They were waiting for their Messiah to come in the clouds. First time, how can you be the Messiah? You're down here. You're just a man like us. Well, second time he's coming in the clouds to set up his kingdom. It was God's plan and the whole purpose of it all for God to set up his kingdom here on earth. We'll look at that in a moment. But it was rejected first by Satan and the angels, then by Adam and Eve. And then Jesus comes to set up his kingdom at his first coming, rejected again by those whom he came to save. And yet there is partial fulfillment of the kingdom of God now in a very real sense, but not completed yet. The kingdom of God in the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls, anyone who receives Christ. Our sister is going to take baptism tonight and, uh, and others who have received the Lord Jesus are in that kingdom. Unless you're born again, you shall not what? See the kingdom, enter the kingdom of God, of heaven. Same, same uh, place. Verse 18, Daniel 7. But the saints, the set-apart ones, that's the believers, of the highest one, look at this, will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever for all ages to come. Talk about awesome. I don't have any clue what that's going to be all about, but somehow we're going to be reigning as kings and priests with the Lord Jesus. And there's plenty of other verses. Uh, these verses here are definitely not conclusive. There's many, many more. I just wanted to give a few to get your, uh, what your appetite. Turn to Isaiah chapter se- uh, 25. This is just a wonderful prophecy that John quotes in the book of Revelation about the new heaven and the new earth. Isaiah 25, verses 8 and 9 says, He, speaking of God, will swallow up death for all time. And the Lord God will wipe tears away from all faces. He will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth. Why? For the Lord has spoken. God said it, it's going to happen. This is, gonna, this is what we're looking for. Look at the next verse. This is so awesome. And it will be said in that day, behold, this is our God for whom we have waited, that he might save us. We're saved now, we're being saved, but we're going to be saved. If you're born again, you got saved from all your sins and all the judgment because of your sin. We're being saved in the sanctification pro- process. Christ is 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 preparing us. God is changing us into the image of Christ. And one day, we're going to be set free from these horrible, wretched corpses we're living in. These bodies of death that ache and agonize and have temptation and sin and desire for all the evil and wicked. One day, we're going to be set free. This is our God for whom we have waited. We're waiting. We're going to be there. If you're a Christian, we're going to be there. We're going to be with the Lord. Praise the Lord. Therefore, let us rejoice. Be glad in his salvation. John 14. uh, You don't have to turn there. Uh, The ones I'd like you to turn to are the dotted ones. Uh, If you want to turn, you can. But that's where Jesus said, you know, believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, dwelling places. What am I doing? I'm going there to do what? Prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, what will I do? Come back so that you can be with me because I want you there. He's coming again. Now, that 14 speaks about the rapture, but included with his coming uh, as one. And Acts 1.11, when he ascended. Can you imagine? 
being a part to see the horrible crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And either while you're watching it or afterwards, understanding what was going on. That he was the son of God who died for my sins. And maybe you were there for those three years of his ministry, watching the miracles. Maybe you saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. And the thousands, tens of thousands of people healed. And now the Lord of glory, a mess of flesh. The Bible says couldn't even recognize he still had human form in his face. What happened, Jesus? I thought you were here to set up your kingdom. Well, he's going to set up his kingdom in the hearts of men and women. And he dies. And the earthquake and the sun turns to darkness for three hours. The, sword, the soldier pierces his heart. Out comes blood and water. And if you're still watching, shortly after that, Nicodemus comes and, uh, with Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea and takes the body down, just a, a limp corpse. They bury him. And then if you're one of the believers that had the privilege to see the appearance of the resurrected Christ, it's me. Still see the scars. Somebody once said, I love this statement, the only thing man made in heaven will be the scars of the wounds of Jesus Christ. And you get to see that. And maybe you were one that was there when he was teaching and you watched him eat food and you ate food with him in his resurrected glorified body. And you're just, your mouth is hanging open the whole time because you saw him on the cross. And then you go up 40 days later to the Mount of Olives and he's teaching, go. The reason I came is because I came to seek and save the lost. Now you go. Go and preach to every creature because my kingdom is coming. And he goes up. And all of a sudden, he just starts to levitate. And you're there with it, 500 at least it appeared that that was the time. And you're just watching him levitate way, way, way. gets smaller and smaller and smaller like one of those balloons that go up. And all of a sudden, he just gets swallowed up into clouds. He's gone. And you can be sure nobody was doing anything. Just. But two men appeared. Two angels. Huh? He told you what to do. What are you doing here? Go. This same Jesus whom you saw go up, this same Jesus will come back. He's coming. He's coming. Why? Why is he coming? The second coming. He came the first time to save us from our sins. We need to answer that question by asking this question. What's the big picture? What's God doing? If I can help us understand this, if I can help me understand this, this is awesome. Open up to the other side. Yeah, turn it, turn it over. Open up to the, the typewritten side. We're going to read that together. King Jesus is coming soon. Now, this is not all in time sequence here. This is more of a, just the reality of the whole conclusion. He's coming. And some of the things are going to happen. It's not all in, in uh, time order in this statement that's written. I need to go back and fix some things up. But you'll get the picture here, okay? God says, if you want to read it with me, let's read it together nice and slow. God says in 1 John 5.19, that the whole world now lies in the power of the evil one. When Adam and Eve sinned, God came down at creation and made his kingdom on earth. Adam and Eve were in that kingdom. The angels were in that kingdom in the invisible realm. The angels had sinned. Lucifer, the first one, led a third with him. 
Now their Satan's kingdom begins. And God's kingdom still on earth until Adam and Eve chose to let Satan be their king instead of God. Think what happened at the fall. God, I don't believe you, word. You're a liar. Now, they didn't say that. But in essence, in the deep heart of it, that's what they were saying to God when they disobeyed God's word and said, if you eat it, you'll die. Don't do it. And they did choose to submit to the word of Satan. That's why sin is so bad. That's what really sin is. It's calling God a liar. It's horrible. And so God gave the kingdom to Adam and Eve, rule over everything, right? They says, we're not interested. We're going to let this guy be our king, Satan. And so now, 519 to 1 John says, the whole world now lies in the power of the evil one. But one day soon, Jesus will return to set up his kingdom. Then this world, as we know it, that is, Satan's kingdom of darkness. Look at what's going on in this world. Darkness, destruction, sin, rebellion, suffering, and death will finally come to an end and be completely destroyed forever. I always love to tell the saints, I know sometimes we hold back from saying that word, hallelujah, because there's groups out there that misuse it perhaps, and you better get used to how to say that. And you can learn how to say it in every language on the planet. It's the only word in any language that's the same in every language on the planet. I wonder if God's trying to tell us something. It translates to mean praise to Yahweh, praise to the Lord, praise the Lord, hallelujah. So if at any time, as you're reading through some of this or you feel something, it's okay to say hallelujah. Just don't say it too loud. <laughs> Jesus came to the earth the first time to save us as the Lamb of God who bled and died for our sins. When Jesus Christ returns at his second coming, he will come as the ferocious lion of the tribe of Judah. He's coming as a fierce warrior and a conquering king to judge and to wage war, Revelation 19 says. Jesus Christ is coming to pour out the fierce wrath of God Almighty upon all his enemies. The Lord Jesus will cast Satan. And here is a good place where I need to add in there. There's a thousand-year break before this sentence. The thousand-year millennium kingdom. He comes to destroy his enemies at the Battle of Armageddon. Thousand-year rule of, of, of Christ on this earth. Then the Lord Jesus will cast Satan. At the end of that thousand years will cast Satan. And all Satan's followers, that is both men and angels, those who have rejected the love and authority of Jesus Christ, Christ will cast them into the eternal lake of fire forever. Hallelujah. It's going to happen. Then Jesus Christ will set up his eternal kingdom where he will rule and reign forever in his perfect kingdom of, this is a quote from Revelation four, uh, Romans 14, 17, righteousness, peace, and joy as the prince of peace, uh, Isaiah 9, 6, and as the king of kings and lord of lords, Revelation. Come, Lord Jesus. Question, are you ready? Now, I'm clumping it all together, which this includes the Bema Seat Judgment will happen before his second coming. While we're in heaven during the seven-year tribulation, the Bema Seat Judgment that Brother Scott was teaching us about, apparently, last week or so, um, that's when we're going to receive our rewards. From what we've done, whether it was good, and the best translation is not good or bad. The best translation is good or useless. Because we don't get... The bad stuff don't come up, right? Sins are remembered no more. It's everything we've done after we became a Christian at the Bema Seat Judgment. What did you do with the moments I gave you? 
with the life I gave you, with the possessions I gave you, with the health I gave you, what did you do for the glory of God in the power of the Spirit of God? Everything done for the glory of God through the power of the Spirit of God will get a crown. And everything that's been done not for the glory of God, not in the power of the Spirit of God, will be burned up into ashes. That's why First John says, abide in Christ so that we're not ashamed at his appearing. So we're not going to get judged in the sense of a condemnation judge. I'm sure Scott taught you this. It's a reward time. It's at the end of how well you ran your race, which crown you get. And each one of us knows not when that race is going to end. Some young folks here, stronger and healthier than some of us <clears throat> mature folks. But you might leave before we do. And if you're a believer, we want to live, as the verse said, uh, so that we please him in all these ways. And I want to get one of those blue sheets that Brother put together. Make sure you get one, too. I'm sure it's awesome stuff. Um, back to the other side. Why the second coming of Christ? There's two parts to that. Why? The big picture is eternity. Before there was creation, there was God in eternity. Apparently, no physical substance that we know of. Nothing. Just Father, Son, Holy Spirit. For how long? Say the word. Eternity. Wow. What were they doing? They weren't bored. They weren't lonely. They needed nothing. They is one. Wow. Wow. Then they decided, let's create a universe. A place that we can put ourselves on display for the praise of our glory, for the praise of our grace. That's what it's all about, the big picture. So apparently for approximately 6,000 years, there's this universe that God created from creation until now. One day there's not going to be this creation. Remember, Second Peter says he's going to destroy all the heavens and this earth, and then back to where? Say it. Eternity. Now, how long, if, if this whole white screen was the length of eternity, which, I mean, what does that mean? You can't even see. You can't even see the 6,000 years of creation. Okay, now let this represent the 6,000 years of creation. You can't even see. There's a little dot. Maybe that might be the 21st century. Eternity versus the temporary. The big plan is God is making for himself, A, an eternal kingdom for himself, and B, Another way to look at it is God is making for himself an eternal family. Let's look at some verses, lots of verses here. If you look at letter A, he's making an eternal kingdom for himself. Number one, a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. That's Romans 14, 17. That's what it says. The kingdom of God is not what we eat and drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So there's three phases of God's kingdom if you look at number one. Those references right there are three different phases. The first phase is the kingdom of God within us. Jesus Christ is not on earth literally reigning right now. 
Satan is. But Jesus still came when he died on the cross and sets up his kingdom in the hearts of men and women, anyone who believes the gospel. Now you're in his kingdom. You're in his kingdom. He's your king. When you receive him, you got a king. And you're his servant in the hearts of men. The second phase is when he comes, the second coming of Christ on this earth for a thousand years. That's still not eternity. A thousand years is a long time, but it's not eternal. Then the destruction of this heaven and this earth, then the eternal kingdom. And that's what these three sets of verses are talking about. Let's look to Revelation chapter 19, talking about the literal second coming of Christ. Revelation 19, verses 11 through 16. And I'm going to start reading. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse... And he who sat upon it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. If you read the first part of chapter 19, we're up in heaven. We get married to Jesus Christ. Now Jesus Christ, we just read, comes down riding a white horse to judge and wage war. First time he came not to condemn or judge the world, but to save the world, right? Not the second time. First time is a lamb of God, innocent, slaughtered, right? Not the second time, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's depicted here as a warrior, and he is not happy. Let's keep reading. He came uh, to judge and wage war, verse 12. His eyes are like a flame of fire, judgment. Upon his head are many diadems, crowns. He has a name written upon him which no one knew except himself. He's clothed with a robe dipped in blood. That's not his own blood, his sacrifice. That's the blood of his enemies he's coming to destroy. Blood as high as the uh, bridles of the horses, it says. This is the Battle of Armageddon. He's coming down to f fight the Battle of Armageddon. His name is called the Word of God. That's how we know this is Jesus riding this horse. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. Malcolm, do you know how to ride a horse? You will. The armies is us. You can go back uh, up in chapter, uh, just above there, uh, verse 8, talking about us clothed in these white linens. Those who've been clothed, those who've been washed white as snow. Uh, brother asked me to share my testimony just very briefly. I used to be on the street selling drugs. And everything goes with that, okay? That was 30 years ago. Uh, but I was there. I was thinking of committing suicide. Even though I had in a worldly sense, a good job. Got paid to go and party, travel around the world and sing, go to beaches and ski slopes and all that stuff that people think are going to make them happy. I found out somebody was lying to me. It's fun for a little time. Uh, started to read my Bible. Wasn't raised in a Christian home, but we had a Bible in the house, and, and I went to church once a year, maybe, on Easter, and uh, God's seed was planted in my heart. It was planted in my heart. I knew. I believed. I'm sitting in the bars telling people about Jesus. I wasn't born again, but I knew Jesus was who he said he was. I didn't understand my need of salvation, but I was starting to understand I needed him because I'd go home and cry every night. Nobody knew. That's why I give out tracts to everybody. Listen to me. Give out gospel tracts. You don't know what's going on behind that mask. And the word of God is that powerful. It changes people's lives. I'm reading the Bible every night. I go out and sin all day long, night long, come home, fall asleep reading the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The only thing I can make any sense out of. For two years, reading about Jesus, getting convicted like anything. No wonder I was ready to commit suicide because I wasn't saved yet. 
I didn't understand it. I go to work one night as a bar and a restaurant. The manager gives me a sealed envelope with my name on it. I says, what's this? She says, I don't know. Where'd it come from? Who gave it to you? I don't know. It was here when I came to work. It's for you. Take it. Open it up. Four things God wants you to know. I'm a Christian. Come on, guys. I was just doing that as a front. I mean, I couldn't wait to get home and read that thing. Because I seriously was, I would have killed myself if I was not afraid of going to hell. I mean, I was done. There was nothing, there is nothing out there. Nothing out there. I had the money, all the free time, everything. Go home, start reading that. Every night I'm reading that. For, I don't know how long, a couple weeks, a couple months. It's been a while ago. But I was on my knees. I was on my floor. I was crying out, Jesus, I believe, I surrender. I, and here I is today. Hallelujah. He saved my soul. He saved my soul. Um, why was I telling you that? It's hidden in there somewhere. Oh, clothed in white garments, his bride. The moment I believed on Jesus Christ, I was clothed in his righteousness. And all that gunk that I just kind of told you about is gone. So if the devil would ever bring or I would try to bring up something that I was already forgiven for, I'd bring it to God and say, I'm sorry for again. He'd go, what are you talking about? I don't remember that. God's got, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, he chooses to have Alzheimer's. <laughs> Amen. He don't remember our sins anymore, ever. From the moment you believe, all my sins were nailed to that tree in Calvary from my birthday to my death day. Hallelujah. And so I'm going to ride this white horse. I know how to ride a little bit, but just, it's going to be awesome. And we're coming down to this battle of Armageddon to fight. Well, it says armies. Are we going to fight? Let's find out. Verse 8, 15. And from his mouth, Jesus' mouth, comes a sharp sword. That's the word of God. With, with it, he may smite the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron. He treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. What's the word? Don't say it too loud. Word of God is written on him somewhere. It says his name is the word of God. There's a name that nobody knows he's got. And here he's called the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Antichrist and the false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire alive. They never die because at the end of the thousand years, it says they're still there. Jesus then throws Satan to join them forever. That is hallelujah. So the big picture, he's coming to set up his kingdom. I just, I just quoted to you chapter 20, verse 10. That's where he throws Satan into the lake of fire. Let's read that. 2010, and the devil who deceived them, this is now at the end of the thousand years, deceived them, was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet, that's the Antichrist and his right-hand man, are also. They will be tormented, how long? Day and night, forever and ever. Verse 15, the great white throne judgment. This is where people who have rejected Christ, his love and authority. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he or she was thrown into the lake of fire. Wow. The king is coming. So Jesus comes to this earth, sets up his kingdom for a thousand years. Then our, on our outline, we're still on number one. Then the third phase is, we're not going to look there now, but Second Peter chapter 3. Now we will turn there. Go back a couple books. Yes, we have to go there. Second Peter chapter 3. We'll start in verse 7. 
First six verses talks about how God destroyed the world with water. Verse 7, but the present heavens and earth by God's word are being reserved for fire, not water, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. Not necessarily that every day is a thousand years, but God's not limited to time. You know, we look at the 6,000 years of creation approximately. That seems, I mean, that's way beyond our comprehension how long that is. To God, it's like six days. That's all. That's the point. So how come he hasn't come back yet? He said he's coming. It's been 2,000 years Jesus was here. He said he was coming back. Well, the Lord is not slow about his promise. He's going to come, as some count slowness. But he's patient toward you, which if you go to the first verse in Second Peter, this book, he's talking to believers. He's patient with you not wishing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. If we would get off our duff and stop worshiping all our idols, our money, our jobs, our Florida weather, not that these things are, I mean, God gave them to us, but stop worshiping them. There's work to be done. There's judgment day, our judgment day, our reward day coming. Do you want to give back to Jesus ashes or crowns? Wow. For everything done in the body after you're a Christian, whether good or useless. Wow. It's not too late. Some of us are a little bit older and we're going, oh, wow, did I mess up a lot of time? Yeah. Change. Today. Live for the eternal kingdom. He's patient with us. If we would all just give out one gospel track a day. I mean, how many, how many people got here? 70, 50, 60, I don't know. Every day. That's a lot of gospel tracks going out. And there's some people out there that were maybe like me. Just pray. Talk to your neighbor. But you can't pray while you got the TV on. You can't pray while you're worshiping the computer. Oh, yeah. Anything that you spend more time with, more energy with, more life with than the Lord is an idol. Anything. Even good things can become idols. I wrestle. I've taking, been taking care of my elderly mom. She's got Alzheimer's. Had her in my house for almost two years. I collapsed. She's in a nursing home now. I don't want her there. She shouldn't be there. But my, my health won't permit. I've had to check. You know, Is she an idol, God? Or am I just doing what's right? Am I loving her? Even good things can become idols. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Will come how? Like a thief. Hold on a second. Yeah. Who? You're going to do what? You're going to break in Timmy's house while we're here at church? Oh. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for calling. Is that how the thief does it? Surprise. That's how the Lord's coming. Like a thief in the night in which the heavens, look at this. This is it. It's after the thousand years. It's going to destroy the heavens. That means all the stars. This earth. Look at it. This is wonderful. That means all the mosquitoes go too. They get burned up. Them red ants, hallelujah. Those things are worse than mosquitoes. My goodness. They like white meat. Whew. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief 
in which the heavens will pass away. Heavens meaning all the stars. The closest star is what? To earth. Sun, get the kids out here. <laughs> Gee, many crickets. You know your Bibles, but closest star is the sun. Okay? What's the speed of light? Fast. Good answer. 186,000 miles per second. Per second. Per second. Eight minutes approximately, they say, you'll get to the sun. If you're traveling 186,000 miles, that's approximately 11 times around the earth. 11 times around the earth every second. <laughs> For eight minutes, you get to the sun. That's far. That's number one. Numero uno, dos. Numero dos. Number two. What's the name of it? I hear one of the little kids. Alpha Centura. That's right. Alpha Centauri, the second closest star, traveling at the speed of light 11 times around the earth, four and a half years, you'll finally get there. Number two, wow. We live, you want to know your address? Milky Way. We live in the Milky Way galaxy. It's one of innumerable, scientists tell us, there's billions of them out there. I don't know how they figure that out. They got telescopes that can see outside of our Milky Way galaxy. I've seen some photos. It's unbelievable. In our galaxy, if that was it, the white screen, I'm telling you, I am telling you, our solar system with star number one, the sun, you couldn't even see it. It's just our galaxy. Outside of our galaxy, there's billions of other galaxies, okay? All going to be gone when Jesus lets go. The heavens will pass away. With a roar, you better believe there's going to be a roar. The Big Bang Theory. This is like explosion big time. And the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. What are we living for this place for? Verse 11. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct? You need to be set apart. That's what holy means. Set apart for God, for eternity. God help us. And godliness, looking for his return, hastening. Now, I don't fully understand that, hastening or speeding up his return, because in one sense we can't. I mean, how are we going to speed up God's return? But he said it. Well, if slowing down his return is because we're not telling people, that's what it says back in verse 9, remember? He hasn't come back because he's patient with us. Because when that last person gets saved that's supposed to be saved, he comes. And they can't get saved without a human instrument who loves them. Who walks what they say. Oh, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men. Follow me. So as we're telling people, then the Lord comes back. Hastening the coming of the day of God, on account of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense fervent heat. But I love verse 13. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells permanently. I mean, it's going to be awesome when Jesus raptures us to be with him. Seven years later, it's going to be awesome to come back to this earth. He lifts the curse. The lion lies down with the lamb. All the mosquitoes are friends. They don't bite. Red ants, my best friends. They won't bite me. It's not going to be too hot like it is in Florida in the summer. It's not going to be too cold like it is now in Cleveland. 
going to be paradise. We're going to go snow skiing. It's going to be 70 degrees. It's going to be awesome. No sickness, no death. We're going to have new glorified bodies then. It's going to be awesome. Then he destroys it all. Makes a new heaven, new earth. What's that going to be like? Wow. All because the cross. He's making a kingdom for himself. We're out of time, so I'll just let me review this here. Number two, a kingdom of priests. You can look at those verses. We'll just look at the first one, Revelation chapter 1. We just did some teaching back at the home assembly about that we're all priests. That's an incredible study. Verse 5, chapter 1, Revelation. From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us. Say that with me. To him who loves us. I can't hear you. To him who loves us and released us or freed us from our sins by his blood. La sangre de Jesús solamente. It's a little, that's all the Spanish I know, but that is awesome. The blood of Christ alone, just the blood. We're washed clean. Verse 6, and he has made us, we just sang it, and worthy, worthy is the lamb, to be a kingdom, kingdom of priests to his God and Father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. There it is again, reference to Daniel. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. Even so, amen. Real quick, turn to chapter 7. This will be our last reference, and then we'll have to quit. Chapter 7, verse 9. I told you, I got to the 26th, Malcolm. No. We'll wrap it up. A week from this Wednesday, we're going to gather together here or in a home. Here, it'll be great. Hope you can all come. And by then, I won't even have to come up and teach because you all have gone through this and taught it to your children, your neighbors, your friends, right? Good. I thought so. Chapter 7, verse 9, we'll start there. This is a group of Gentiles. If you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. I'm not Jewish. I'm a Gentile. And I'm included in some of this here. And, 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 and we're going to be, we're given here a glimpse of eternity. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Notice the two, separation there. Throne, God the Father, and the Lamb. Clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. Book of Revelation, if you look at the time chart later, you'll see it's, it, it's, it's perfect. The first three chapters are the church age. We're in that now. Chapter 4, verse 1, the rapture. We're, we're taken up. And from there on, from chapter 4 till chapter 19, you don't hear about the church until she comes back with Jesus at his second coming. And most of the book of Revelation be, in between that time, chapter 6 through 18, is all the judgments on earth. During that seven years, this gives us a glimpse of what heaven, what's going on in heaven. This is us in heaven during the tribulation. Uh, let's start again, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. Verse 9. After these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, 
from every nation and all tribes and people and tongues standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, were clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. And palm branches were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders. That's not per se what we call elders in our assembly, but that's a representation of all the believers and the four living creatures. And they fell down on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying to me, These who are clothed in the white robes, who are they, and from where have they come? And I said to him, My Lord, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them clean, white in the blood of the Lamb. I was thinking of another passage. This is actually during the seven years. If you're going to become a Christian during those seven years, it's going to literally cost you your head. Because Antichrist will be ruling the world, this world, and if you don't take his mark 666 on your right hand or your forehead, he cuts your head off. If you don't take it, you can't buy or sell anything. No food, no water, can't pay your bills, no gas. The whole world's looking for you. And if you won't confess that you'll worship the Antichrist by taking his mark, they'll cut your head off. If you take his mark, you're worshiping him, you'll go to hell, it says. And so many will come to Christ because they'll see. And God will open their hearts to receive multitudes. That's what we're reading about, will come to Christ. But they have been beheaded. That's what it says. Um, verse 14 again. And I said to him, my Lord, you know who they are. He said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes, made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and they serve him. That's the point here. You're making a kingdom of priests and a kingdom of servants, bond servants. Day and night in his temple they serve him. And he who sits on the throne shall spread his tabernacle over them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. Neither shall the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the lamb in the center of the throne shall be their shepherd. Jesus, our shepherd, shall guide them to springs of the water of life. And God shall wipe every tear from their eyes. We're out of time for this morning. But let it be said, you've got the handout. Please study it. Go through it just the way we're going through now. Look at the timeline. It'll help you. We're going to go through these things a week from Wednesday. I hope it hasn't been too confusing. It's still sometimes confusing to me, and I'm sure most Christians would agree upon that even as you study it. He's coming. Are you ready? I trust most of us are born again here. If you're not born again, Jesus said you won't ever see his kingdom. You'll never see the kingdom of God. You'll live a miserable life, almost of hell on earth. It's not hell because it's not a lake of fire. Then you die and you go to a lake of fire. Come to Christ. Be born again. Submit to his love and his authority. If we are born again, eternity, 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 it's coming very soon. I thought I was on my deathbed these last three weeks. I was very sick. Many people were dying from that flu virus. I had it very, very bad. And I very, a few times, I really thought I was going to die. Could have, should have. Eternity. Might come today. Might come today. God forbid, from our point of view, that any of us would die in a car crash or whatever. Could happen. Yes or no? 
eternity, eternity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that Jesus has paid the debt that we owed in his first coming. Perfect Lamb of God, perfect life, fully, completely fulfilled every law of righteousness in my place, went to the cross, willingly received all my sins as the Father laid them upon him in his body, carried our sins in his body on the cross, punished by God the Father, cursed by God the Father, crushed by God the Father, because the Father loves us. And Jesus, to you who released us from our sins through your own blood, to him who gave himself up for us and loved us. Jesus, we love you because you first loved us, as the children said earlier. Lord, we pray for each one here. Revive our hearts. Take us home. God, by your spirit, you have to finish. You have to help this message in our hearts. We can do nothing. We've shared a few verses, wetting our appetites. Lord, please, use these handouts. Thank you for brother who helped put it together. Bless each one of us to live for that day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Martin Luther, I think it was, said he, he only had two days on his calendar. This day and that day. Might it be true of all of us. God bless you.